0: therapy podcast
1: hello and welcome back to the arsenal therapy podcast my name is farhan also known as gunner since night six and as always joining me here this on this miserable new year's eve in fact no we'll scrap that new year's eve has officially been have blah, 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 has officially been cancelled um thanks to arsenal football club and glad to say that despite it being canceled, I've got Adam and Monty joining me, um, on this miserable Sunday afternoon. So thank you guys for, you know, taking out time of your day to, to be here and to relive the nightmare that we witnessed just moments before going live. Um, so Adam, are you ready? I'm ready. Monty, are you ready? I'm ready. Farhan, are you? Yes, I'm ready. Uh, The reason why I'm asking all three of us because we're all going to be involved in answering the uh, quick fire question. So here we go. Adam, question to you. Are Arsenal still in the title race?
2: Yes, but I don't think we'll win it.
1: Monty, are Arsenal in the title race? Yeah,
0: yeah, we're still in up.
1: And for our hand, our Arsenal, you get the drift. Um, yes, we're still very much in it. But uh, just like you boys said, I don't think we will win it. And it didn't look nearly as convincing as it needed to, despite the loss. Um, look, we've lost twice in the last couple of days. We've lost three times this month. The first loss against against Aston Villa was one where we could uh, not necessarily be satisfied with, but it showed that the footballing levels were up to par, up to scratch, and what we expect to see on a week-to-week basis. The game against West Ham, the loss, the 2-0 defeat at home to West Ham was shocking, and um, one that was different to the, the the defeat against Villa because we were naive, we were very um, wasteful and, you know, 30 shots and zero goals don't reflect well on anyone in that attacking lineup um, at the Emirates. And today we've lost to a very competitive Fulham side but a lackluster Arsenal and one who look like they were checked out as soon as they scored the first goal. Adam, how are you feeling after witnessing that display?
2: Yeah, pretty annoyed, deflated. It's one of those, like the West Ham game was one of those. It was a good performance overall because you create that many chances, you have that much of the ball and your forwards miss as many as they did. It's one of those, you look at it and you think, right, if we create that many, someone's going to get a hammer in someday. Like Saka is three good chances in that game. Jesus put uh, basically an open goal over the bar. And I thought we we're going to take that form, take those lessons, go into today. Instead, we thought, now we'll just go out, kind of wander around and see what Fulham have. And they've lost their last three games. Look, it was just one of those really, really bad performances. And I think it's the nature of the performance. The West Ham one, you can take all the positives from it. You look at it, you think, well, we're going to bounce back from this. That was just, there There were no positives you can take from that performance. Every player on the pitch was poor. And it was just one of those games where even Arteta tactically was poor. His substitutions were shocking everything today was off and we just need to really have a look at ourselves over the next few weeks. And I think the everyone will shout about the window and we, we do need to add in the window. But I do think it's a bit lazy because we've just given a lot of those players big, big contracts. And so far we, we're yet to see a lot of them fully step up and deliver what they did last year. So rather than the window, I think we need to be getting some of our players to take a long, hard look at themselves and really bounce back after this kind of three-week break that we're going to have from the Premier League.
1: Yeah, a very good time to have a break from the Premier League and uh, I guess a time where we can reflect, a time where we can act and be busy during the transfer window because despite, as you said, um, we shouldn't use it as an excuse to address what we don't have. We really need to start looking at what we do have and whether what we have is good enough, number one, but also number two, whether they're being as effective as they can be. And judging by that result, that uh, performance, they clearly aren't for whatever reason. Now, going into this game, Monty, I was of the opinion that it was always going to be a tough game because we had just lost in quite spectacular fashion. I mean, we both recorded the podcast. We both expressed our dissatisfaction, disappointment, but also our shock, you know, just to uh, see us not convert a single one of those 30 opportunities on goal. Um, so I felt like going into this game, it was always it, it was always going to be tentative. It was always going to be quite cautious. But there was something to prove. There was something there that they needed to put right. And for the first five or seven minutes, it seemed like, okay. You know, we we look like to be on the right track, and then it all kind of just fell apart. Um, Try and tell me how you're feeling at the moment. I think out of the three of us, you're probably the most frustrated, and maybe um, you want to be quite expressive in 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 your frustration. So please, please, lay it on me. Yeah, I'm just uh,
0: perplexed. If anything, um, that we get the goal from doing something that we haven't done all month. Which was just shoot and pick up the spills, which is literally what I tweeted during a West Ham game. But we were there, there's taking a shot, like where it's there's just like a, there's like 10 man in front of you. <clears throat> and then there's taking a shot when you have the option to pass. Whereas like Martinelli, see normally in, in that, what we've done the last month is Martinelli would have tried to have crossed it into Saka or someone like that. But instead, he goes direct and takes a shot. And then we pick up the, the spill from the goalie because it's a good shot which is what we should be doing more. It's more direct. It's a better way of playing. Uh, and it puts the goalies under pressure, puts defenses under pressure. It makes them have to close in those channels so they get tighter inside. So you can, uh, you can just wheel outside and do overlaps a lot easier. Um, we do that. We score. And I was like, okay, cool. One nil. Nice. What I hated is uh, our response. It... it I, I'm getting baffled. I don't know why. Why is it when we go one nil up, did did the same against Liverpool? Why are we happy with a 1-0? We, we got, after that goal, we got outpressed. We got beaten to all the 50-50s. We were slow. We were lethargic in our passing. We weren't zipping it. We weren't pacey anymore. And it, it just, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. If, if, your Arsenal football club and you go one nil up in five minutes, you should be going, right, let's add two, three more. We should be we should be adding more goals to this. Um but yeah, they just never came into fruition. And it's just frustra- it's just frustrating. Um it's just purely frustrating. The fact that all of our back front line got completely bullied by Fulham's defenders, um, which then led to them scoring their goal. Because uh, our players are too busy moaning and whining on the floor about why they haven't got a free kick, rather than doing their job and tracking back, that um, we get completely exposed. Give your look off his man as well. Like it was, just, it was just a shambles, mate. Absolute shambles. Um, and if we continue playing like this, honestly, we need to look at whether we're going to make Champions League next year. Let alone push for a title. Um, there are clear holes. There's there's lack of cohesion compared to last year. We had a frustrated Rice all game and he was off it. He was cannoning passes into players that were like 10 metres in front of him. Like, just, just pass it to him, bro. So, like, trying to sh- take his bloody leg off. Um Kai Avertz, I mean, he was good for the goal initially and then he just dwindled. Yeah, it was just a poor, poor performance all around. It's like, it's like the boys didn't want to play for each other. Um, they looked like a bunch of individuals and there was no there was no desire to work together as a unit Saliba was off it Gabrielle was moaning and, and bitching with the whole back line yeah it was just a very very shock performance and it's just one that's just not characteristic of the team that we've we've fell in love with again do you know what I mean um, it's just frustrating
1: yeah frustrating. before we talk about you know the starting line up the, the couple the handful of changes that Mikel made and the game itself Adam has it quite sunk in yet that we we've well we've left ourselves a really high mountain to climb now, but it's in, it's becoming increasingly um i guess more and more unlikely that we will be um winners at the end of the season? I don't know I mean the type the table's still very very tight. And there's still 17 games to play, but realistically, with this month, and I don't know whether it was um, the two of us who spoke, or whether it was me or Monty, but you know, I, I vividly remember going through the December calendars and making a point that it, this was a very, very crucial month, and we needed to try and maximise as many points as possible. And based on results from this month, we we could there we could we could then predict you know where Arsenal might end up Um, but it is seeming increasingly unlikely that we will uh, end up you know finally lifting the Premier League trophy has it has that sunk in yet
2: I, I think it's one of those we are at the midway point of the season we are sitting on 40 points which I would have expected a lot more at this stage from the possible 60 but the same time it's one of those look we're we're right in the mix we we are right in the mix and we've just had a terrible month city have had uh, a really bad spell of uh, results spurs have had a really bad spell of results liverpool have got away with quite a bit and they're a few points ahead of us but they've got um they've got newcastle tomorrow so you're looking at it and thinking Liverpool can pull five points clear, but they've got a tough game tomorrow. And Newcastle are in a really bad run of form themselves. So again, that's the kind of game you'd expect Newcastle to come out with a big bounce. And they've just lost to Forest, and that was a game. If you watch Newcastle, they're a side that wins their duels. They they win duel after duel. They're really physical, and they went out to Forest and they looked limp. They looked like Howard lost the dressing room. So when I'm looking at the kind of overall look of the league this season everyone's gone through phases like this I would not have expected us to lose these two games but Declan Rice actually gave a very good interview after the game and he said look now's not the time to panic we've just had a real blip in form and we need to sort this out it's like we will reset we've got a few weeks now to work on this and I think if we were Five, six, seven points off at this stage, I'd be saying not a chance. You, you can't win a league that far off when you've got Man City. But I think it's important to look at where we are, what we've got coming up. The the fact that, what, six days ago, we were top of the league. We were just off a draw at Anfield. and We have given two very mixed performances and come away with no points. So today was shocking. And I don't think anyone's going to gloss that up. But I think it's one of those... I've got I've had my doubts anyway about whether we can win the league. But at the same time, I think we're going to be right in the mix at the end of the season. And I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather have a blip in form now than us be six points ahead in April and suddenly collapse like we did last year. If mm. I I think it's for me I haven't fully given up on anything yet because I do think there's a long way to go. And the reaction of Arsenal Twitter today, I just find it funny. Uh, People commented on my post saying Arteta is the problem. He has to go. This is a bloke that's got us from eighth to second. And we are in the mix for a title because of Arteta. People want to play for Arsenal because of Arteta. Um, every player's shit, every player's being picked out. It's like the reaction I saw after the West Ham game and today, it reminds me of Wenger's latter days when everyone was just out for each other. I've had fans commenting on my post because I said it was pathetic the way we ended the year. I said, but we will bounce back. Someone commented, we will bounce back from what? You're you're as big of a problem to this football club as anyone. Me, a fan, just commented on something saying that I, we will bounce back. And that sums up kind of how reactionary our fan base is. But look, hopefully we do have these few weeks and we do bounce back and we're able to really recover and put together a good run in January.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I want to... I don't know. I mean, it seems ridiculous to even be having a conversation about Altair at this point anyway. Um, But yeah, there seems to be a sentiment of almost frustration and almost like, if not this season, then when kind of thing. And I get it. Like we've built something really special. And last season, anyway, the crop of players who played together were so kind of well aligned with one another and, and, and the chemistry and just everything about the squad was just put so right that it feels, um, it doesn't feel right that we haven't won anything, you know, with this current squad, this group of players. Uh, Monty, Adam spoke about inconsistencies in our performances and actually that being a theme throughout um, the Premier League table. If we just have a look at it, I don't think anyone has had a consistent run of form um, this season. So it might be, a, you know, I want to first find out why that is, number one. And number two, whether based on everyone's inconsistent form, whether that means, um, you know, we're still in it very much. And based on that trend, um, we should still feel a little bit more optimistic than we do right now. Many thought Luton, many, many, you know, labeled Luton as one of the worst Premier League teams ever to play in the, in, in the Premier League. They are a point behind Everton with a game in hand. Brentford sits 16th, um, you know, uh, five or so points above the relegation zone. Forest sit above them. You know, I must caveat this by saying that some teams have a game in hand, but as the table currently sits, Chelsea are 10th. There's nothing new there. Newcastle, 9th. United somehow still sits 7th. Um, Spurs are a point behind us. Aston Villa find themselves second. So we must take everything with a pinch of salt. Teams have been dropping points left, right and centre, City included. So based based on that sort of analysis, do you feel like um, Arsenal is still very much in it and is still anyone's game? I mean, we're in it. Um, I don't believe like all this
0: dropping form and stuff. I mean, Liverpool haven't really been in form all season. They've had bad games, but yet they still win. Um, that's that's what makes a champion is when you turn losses into draws and draws into losses we go down and we, we do not seem like we're coming back There's, there is a mental block uh, compared to say other teams I mean City City haven't been firing this season but they ha- they are missing probably one of the best creative players who have ever touched a prem in De Bruyne all season um, and they've got who's basically I that's just meant they haven't been able to get the best out of Haaland. Um, but when they come back, I expect them to go on a 16-win re- or 16-win streak, and definitely be up there. Um, you've got Aston Villa who are just playing out their skin. They're very much doing what we did last year and uh they're going sort of under the radar um a little bit, but they're playing well. And the thing is their mentality is is attuned to that. Like they they believe themselves that they're gonna do it. Um, I feel like we are just I don't know what it is this year, but we're just, it's not that we're not as creative or as fluid. It's like we, because the last year went so well, we're now trying to follow it to the T. Whereas last year, we had a bit more creative flair and individual individual performances. I mean, we're looking at Martinelli and Saka nowadays this year, and their one on one take ons are nowhere near as high. Like they're, 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 they're just being so rigid with the system. Um, that they're trying to create all these overlaps, but just take them on. You're well, you're like, you're genuinely up there as world-class players um who can take on any player one by one, draw a foul. Do you know what I mean? If you, if you go in, if you go in and, and get past him or whatever, you're probably going to draw a foul, which puts us in a dangerous position and we're really good at scoring from set pieces. So why do you not play for that? Um, it's clearly where we're getting most of our goals from. Um and the fact that we're like 16th or 15th in open play goals this season is even, is even worse considering last season we were up there in in the top five, uh, 40 sets. And it just comes down to belief, I think, because it's, it's not about the players and the talent. We've definitely got the squad for it. I don't, I don't doubt that we've got a good enough squad to, to challenge. We've got the players that we needed. Yes, there maybe is one or two that could probably add in something, but if you if if you want me to say oh Jesus and Nketiah aren't good enough to get some goals, you're crazy. They are good enough, but they're just not playing good enough. It's, I don't know what it is. It's like we we just we, we shut up shop once we get to the final third, and we're just sort of scared to. We were trying to play the systematic approach, when in sometimes a system doesn't work. It seems like everyone's got our got Arteta's our number. If you just shut up shop against us and counter quickly, you're going to win the game. That's what Aston Villa did to us. We dominated them, dominated them. They absorbed all the pressure, counted on us, and they scored from it. And then that was it. They won the game. Uh, Liverpool, we we also, we, we were pretty much on a front foot. Then they counted quickly, long ball. I mean, it did have a wet pitch, but long ball, counted on us, got the goal, scored. And they also had a chance to win the game, and they didn't. West Ham, same thing. Shut up shop. Got the ball, quickly counted. We were out of position, scored won the game, scored, scored twice. Well, they had a corner, but that was also from a quick counter. Then you look at Fulham, dominated the ball. I mean, to, to be fair, we didn't even dominate as much, actually. We kind of were getting outpressed at times. But they just absorbed the pressure, had every single man behind the ball all the time. There was 11 men behind the ball all the time, absorbed the pressure. The second they got the ball, they looked better than us. Going forward when they had the ball. They they actually looked like there was a threat every time they got the ball. Whereas when we got the ball, it was like we were just happy to just keep passing and passing and passing and passing and passing and passing. It was like us like two years ago before sort of last season. We were just doing a systematic passing. But you need someone to just come in and go, I'm gonna take you on. Like Rice tried it a few times, tried it a few times. Just get the ball, drive at a player. If they if they tackle you, they tackle you. But what that does is that goes off to the other players on the team. Like, okay, he's trying. Do you know what I mean? It bleeds off. Um, and then on top of that, you've got if you get Saka going one-on-one one against most of these defenders, he's going to get past most of them, most of the time. Most of the time. And if not, they're going to foul him to, to draw in a tackle. And just sit yeah, It's just, I don't know what it is with with the form side of things. I think we, we can still definitely come back and, and push. But I just hope this is a wake-up call. Um, not even just to the players, but to Mikel Arteta, because um, it's not working. Something's not working. Um, whether that's a case of Mikel Arteta uses this as evidence to push to the board to get some money for a player, I don't know. I don't know. But something's not working and something needs to change. Something needs to change. There needs to be discussions internally. And people need to take accountability. Facts.
1: Mm, okay, um, Monty, you might want to uh, dial yourself up a little bit. It's quite difficult hearing you speak. But Monty, uh, not Monty, sorry, Adam. Um, I want to, uh, I, w- I want to continue on this theme of um, inconsistency. I think it's quite an interesting one, and I want to ask you why you think it is that teams, the big teams in the Premier League this season, haven't been on top form and have dropped as many points as they have because it's. I don't think it's normal. I don't think it's normal for City to drop as many points as they have, for Arsenal to drop as many points as they have, for Liverpool to be up there yet not consistently perform at the levels needed to, 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 to stay there. Um Spurs, you know, new manager bounce. You look at Villa as well. Why? Why is that? Why is it happening right now? Like if we were to really delve deep into what's happened in the context of the last couple of years with the Christmas uh or the winter um World Cup. Uh, lack of rest for players with maybe, I don't know whether you want to go as far back as COVID. Uh, but it seems like this season is the first season where we've had s- normality. Has it all caught up on these teams?
2: Um, I One of the things that I think is that there's a lot of players playing through injuries at the minute, like not just at Arsenal. I think at Arsenal, Ben White. Look, it, it, people have always had their question marks about Ben White. He's a fairly divisive player. Some of us think he's superb, Others like to have a pop at him. Um, but one of the things about Ben White is he's, he's always been a very good athlete. And if you watch him run now, he really, really looks like he's struggling to run. And he's been in and out of the team when Tommy who has been fit. And he feels like someone who's on the pitch because we don't have any other options right now. And whenever you look at other teams across the league, when they get a couple of players back, a couple of players are dropping. And it's been a repeated kind of pattern with every team where you're going to get two players back and suddenly there's a couple more injured, which makes me think actually these players are playing literally through a muscular injury or something and they're not completely fit. So I think if players can play, they're being kind of patched up and sent out there. And I think it's not just Arsenal that that's happening. I would have no doubt that that's happening at Spurs given the number of injuries they've got. Newcastle, 100%, there's players that aren't aren't completely right there when you watch them at the minute. And I think we're seeing spells where teams have really good runs and everyone looks really sharp. And I, I think that's part of it where players aren't fully fit and that's happening right across the board. But aside from that, I think this is the season that we've had a bit of normality and... The other thing that I think no one's pointing out is the quality of the league right down to probably 12th place. And it's higher than it's ever been. When you've got clubs in England able to go and take some of the best players in Spain and compete for a Europa League spot, when you've got West Ham having players like Bowen, Paqueta, uh, Kudis, um, Alvarez... All of those players all in the squad and West Ham aren't one of the best sides in the league but they've got that level of quality in the team Like a beautiful footballer and it, it is that whenever our title rivals are playing every game you look at it and you think they could drop points even yesterday we'll, what, what day was the City game was it yesterday kind of lost track of days but I was watching the City game and um, they beat Sheffield United 2-0 and in that game there were points of the game where you think thinking City could drop points here. And honestly, Sheffield United, I think it was 25 minutes in, I text my mate saying, I can't remember the last time they had touched the ball. But there was still that point where they hoofed the ball forward. Suddenly they got players up and they could have scored. And then uh, Burnley it lost yesterday with a very late penalty, which was very controversial against Villa. So, we are seeing like all these teams looting as well that have come up and they're comfortable going at big sides. They're all really well coached, really, there's, they've all got good players. And I think that's a major factor as well. So, between injuries, which is probably why teams are putting together like four and five game runs rather than 10 game runs, and then just the quality of the league overall, I think that's a big reason why. But people aren't as scared of the big teams as they maybe were. A year ago and it's not just us. Teams are going at City this year in a way I've never seen them do before. And before teams would have just low blocked City, sit sit there, hoof it long, and if they get something, they get something. Whereas there have been teams that have really gone and they've pressed City, they lose it, they counter press straight away, they get in there, they get in their faces, and then they're trying to play football. So all these factors come together and it's created a more entertaining league. And if we weren't Arsenal fans, if we were like a mid-table set of fans, we'd be loving this because there is so much quality in the league. And I think as a neutral, you must be looking at this this season thinking this is one of the best that we've seen for a long time because City aren't running away with it and teams are able to take points off each other. So I think it's not so much that the... The big teams are worse. I think it's that the mid-table teams and even the bottom sides now are a lot better than they've been. And Sheffield United aside, like Luton will give anyone a game now after being dreadful for the first couple of months, but they're really finding their feet. Um, Burnley are shit as well, but Burnley and Sheffield United are both shit and shouldn't be in the league. Aside from that, everyone else is very, very competitive. So look, I think that's a big part of why Teams, even Fulham today, you look at it, you got players like Polina, who's just a bulldog in midfield. And those I what's his name? De Cordova Reed down the right, I quite like him. There's other players in the team, and you look at it, you think they're all decent players. So you never really, really don't have an easy game at the minute.
1: Okay, Um, look, apologies for having such an unstructured episode. Um, It just feels like we just need to just ramble a little bit and kind of let things off our chest. Um, But I am going to finally talk about the manager um, and maybe some of the things that he got right, which was right at the beginning of the game before kickoff. He made two bold changes. I mean, one of them was forced because Inchenko has picked up a knock. It was good to see Kivy or... um, in the on in the starting lineup, it was it was a positive change and it was one that was needed. Okay, he then made the bold change of putting on Inquietia over Jesus. Another one which you know in previous seasons Arteta has been criticised for number one not making decisions quicker and number two poor in-game management. He has finally, I felt like, done the first part. Um, which is making decisions quicker, and that surely has to be uh, commended, because we've you know we as fans, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing something blindingly obvious, and the manager not taking a uh, not making a um, or not taking action action on it. So Monty, were you pleased to see Inca? I mean, I'm sure you were. Anyway, um, <laughs> but were you were you pleased to see Arteta make those changes, and what were your thoughts on the starting lineup? Yeah, I mean,
0: well, I saw um, before the game. I liked the lineup before the game. Um, it was definitely good enough to win the game, um, and it was a it was a change that needed to happen. Jesus has what scored three goals and assisted one in his what fourteen starts. It's not good enough. It's simply not good enough. The fact that Nketiah, our backup, has got more goals than him, I think it was warranted that he needed... because we needed goals, and Jesus is not scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, it was completely warranted. Kivior coming in. I mean, Zinchenko's been, he, he's been a, what's the word for it? He's been a topic of discussion. Let's put it that way. Over He's recent been week. fucking
1: woeful. Just say it as it, as it yeah, is. He's been, um yeah, he's been
0: poor. Um, He's been good, like, in the midfield, but when it comes to defending, he's been absolutely woeful. Um, And Kivyo, it sort of looks like a stronger shout. Um, and it's good to just see him because we want to see how how he does perform. Um, obviously, he's a bit rusty because he hasn't, he's barely played. I think that was his second, I think that was his second start all season, um, not including Champions League. It um, might even be his first in the in the league. Um, so, yeah, he looked a little bit rusty. But apart from that, I mean, we had ample opportunities uh, to win. I think creatively, we looked good. We had Kai Havertz back who, who added that sort of physical dominance in the field, but it just didn't play out like that. I think everyone just got bullied um, completely. They just didn't. Like they just didn't want it as much. Um, but no, I was ha- I was happy with the lineup personally, and I, I definitely thought I would. We would have got more out of it. Um, and I just feel like it was more on Arteta, like personally as well. I think with Martinelli did a, did good at the start. He was more direct, exactly what we needed. But I said it in the last game. I think Trossard needs to start at left wing because we need the best out of Martinelli and we're not getting it. And that's because I feel like there's just a lot of complacency within the squad as a whole, because there's, there's, there's not, no one's really dropping them. Um, Saka's been our sort of off form. I know he got the goal, but he he had shocking moments throughout the game. He, we could have won that game um, if he actually converted his chances, um, which he didn't. And that's because he, I feel like he, he in himself, he, he's not getting dropped. Do you know what I mean? You need to have that fear that you need to be at your very best. Um, to play your best, so I think personally I would have liked Hossard to come in over Martinelli. Just, just to come in and then bring Gabby on as a sub. Always, always have the idea of bringing him on as a sub, 60th minute, and then you get a hungry Gabby because Gabby's like I've just been benched, so I need to perform here. I need to do good here to get my my, my place back, and that's when you get a better Gabby. Um, I feel like now because he, he's just kept he just keeps starting, he just keeps starting and starting and starting. It doesn't, and he hasn't really been playing that well. And it's like, well, if you're not playing that well and you're still starting, what does that say to the rest of the squad? So I feel like there's maybe some man management that needs to be done internally by Mikel Arteta because it's just not good enough. There seems to be a lot of frustrated faces and we saw that today. Uh, and I'm not sure whether that is partly to do with people not getting game time that they deserve. Um, but yeah, that would have been my only change. Personally, I would have just put Tross all over Martinelli. That would have been my only change, um, I think, prior to the game anyway. Obviously, mm. with hindsight, Martinelli got the okay. goal, but.
1: Yeah, so Adam, you know, Monty makes a really good point when he talks about um, players who are complacent because they are currently, it seems as if they're undroppable. It certainly seemed like that after the first goal. I mean, we started the game off really quite slowly, quite cautiously, uh, passing it around the back line and then gradually building our way up the pitch, which is understandable because after losing the game in the manner which we did, it was important that we didn't make any... Um, mistakes. We weren't rash. We were nice and calculated and calm, and it seemed like that. Anyway, um, Odegaard has a shot from just inside of the box, which was really, really refreshing to see because it was in those kind of spaces where we were really reluctant to pull the trigger against West Ham. And so, inside two minutes, having a you know having um, witness Odegaard having that shot, it became clear that Arsenal were. Um, they'd learnt something from that West Ham game, which was to, you know, have a go on goal. And eventually we, we, we got the goal, a really, really good goal. It was a break from, um, started from David Rea. I mean, Fulham were all over the place. So it was, uh, quite easy to get ourselves into those open spaces, have us putting it into Martinelli, who dribbles his way into the box again, demonstrating the importance of having a shot on goal. Had it been against West Ham I guess we could all guarantee that he was going to try and find someone in the box, but he decides to have a go. Um, Leno makes a good save. Saka's there for the rebound. And then after that, Fulham retaining possession and Arsenal happy to sit back and defend. I wasn't sure about that approach, about not inviting the pressure so early on. I would have preferred us to have scored a second goal. I think all of us would have preferred Arsenal to score a second goal. And then... You you can maybe have um, the thought of sitting off, recharging your batteries and managing the game a little bit better. Why is it that we decided to do that? Number one. Number two, why is it that we have decided to do that on many other occasions? This isn't the first time. We've seen Arsenal score the first goal and sit off and just be really uh, naive about whether the opposition are going to be good enough to try and
2: pull us apart.
1: Is this a managerial tactic or is it a mindset problem?
2: I think it might be a coaching issue there because last year we got the first goal and really went and punched them, got that second goal early and tried to win the game early on. And I think at times that cost us because we we started the game so fast that we ended up kind of pulling ourselves apart a bit. Um, However, this year, it seems like we've gone completely the opposite way. And I I think back to Luton, whenever we went 1-0 up there, we let them back into the game. Um, We we have had other performances. Even the the Wolves game, for example, we went 2-0 up in that game. And then we kind of – we didn't seem to have the same aggression in front of goal that we had. We were creating chances. But today was – it was – really, really strange in the way we did it. It's hard to even explain what we were trying to do because it didn't feel like we were sitting back with control. And in some games, it it feels like we're sitting in, we're sucking up the pressure, and we're we're kind of killing the team's confidence. Whereas today, it just felt like we couldn't get a foot on the ball. We were losing it. There were sloppy passes all over the park. And that really allowed them into it. It it felt that it just felt like a game of pinball, one of those where it was end-to-end, but Fulham were seeing far, far too much of the ball. Like, ultimately, we had more possession than them in the first half, quite a bit more than them, but we weren't doing anything. And the number of sloppy passes, that was the biggest concern for me, that you would see someone get it and play it just out of play or choose uh, a or at one point played a really sloppy pass infield um, or across to the wide area. Uh, straight to Fulham play Martinelli ended up bailing him out and like, those instances happened all over the park and I, I just felt there was just a complete lack of aggression today mm. which is something that we don't see from Arsenal We people joke about Arteta you win your duels you win your duels but that's been a consistent theme throughout the season we do win duels we are physical we, we stand up to teams and it just felt today that when we won a duel we were then following it up by a sloppy pass or when we were going into challenges, we we kind of were a bit scared of their aggression. And it was just a really frustrating way to watch Arsenal play because the, the key thing for me was every time we lost it, I felt like Fulham could score. And there's a lot of the times when I watch Arsenal and we're under pressure, I feel pretty comfortable. But in this last month, it, it's felt the opposite. And look, we've conceded 10 goals in December, like 10 goals in one month and we're supposed to be a good defensive side. We we big up Saliba, Gabriel, Rice, and players like that. But actually, the the nature of the goals we've conceded, the number of goals we've conceded from corners, all these different things—it's like every goal's been different. Which suggests that there is a an understanding problem or a concentration problem at the back. And then when you put that kind of together with our toothless attacking approach, it's really worrying. And but, yeah, today, the the way we just sat back and let them come at us, it's like they're not a good side on the ball. And like, people say, oh, Polina, great player. Polina can just about pass the ball 10 yards forward. He's a bang average ball player. He reminds me a lot of someone like Cockwilling. And we're allowing people like him to play. And it felt like we were just letting Fulham in. And their whole game, th- there aren't many players with any kind of ingenuity on the pitch for them. They are that functional. They want to get it wide, get it into the box for Jimenez. And they did it time and time again. And I just felt that there were opportunities that Fulham could have scored. But but yeah, I, I think it's definitely a tactical thing. I think everything Arsenal do is tactical. I think the team is coached within an inch of its life. And I don't see how the change from last season to this season would have happened without that being instructional from Arteta.
1: There's, there's, there's one thing uh, more dangerous than uh, a B-side team, and that's a B-side team with confidence. Fulham were very much the B-side going into this, despite being the home side. Um, and I always fear that when Arsenal or any team who are one nil up decide to sit off and allow the opposition team to hold possession, to um, have a go, create opportunities, you're allowing them to build confidence. And when you do that, teams automatically begin to start playing better. They'd start to click with one another. They start to trust one another. There's patterns of play that start to develop. This is exactly what happened. Um, Monty, between our goal and their goal, there was about 25 minutes. And within that time frame, it was pretty much all Fulham who were creating opportunity after opportunity, attacking down our right-hand side. Kivior was under a lot of pressure. Um, I felt like in the opening 10-ish minutes, he was dealing with it quite well, aggressive in the challenges. Um, I wasn't sure about the extent that he was pressing up the pitch. And this was a common theme for both Kivior and White. Now, regardless of whether you think um, it's, it's, it's Arteta's way of playing and, you know, it's nothing we can do about it. The naivety of it showed as the game progressed because it was clear that Fulham were trying to break down those flanks by sending those long balls over the top. And, um, and, and the warning signs were, you know, there from very early on. There was that chance from Jimenez, which was saved comfortably by Ray. And the move was worked really well down that left-hand side. Ben White caught... Um, out of position or he was very late to react to it and you know they were putting in a number of dangerous crosses and we were just constantly letting them play the ball wide there was no change of tactic there was no change of strategy it felt like we were just I don't know I don't know whether it was a case that we were just far too lazy or there there weren't anyone just to take initiative A, a captain's a captaincy kind of personnel to take the game by the scruff of the neck and start ordering players to, to 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 be in certain positions. Even Saliba was looking shaky on a couple of occasions being caught too casually on the ball. There's that one, I think that was that, that, was that one moment where the ball got stolen from right behind him. Um, but having said that, two players who were continuously allowing us, giving us some hope of going forward were Declan Rice and Odegaard. And they fizzled out as the game went on. But those were the only two players that I could notice who are moving the ball forward between the lines. Um, other than that, we were very, very poor. So the goal itself comes from um, Arsenal overloading their attack, and I, th- I You know, I think we have both got differing opinions about who's to blame for this. I feel like it's because of our continued persistency to you know push our fullbacks forward that. Leaves us exposed down the flanks, and you know we were punished for it. It was—it's a beautiful ball in from from Kearney, low and quick, and the type of ball that Saka and Martinelli need to start—you know—you uh, replicating yep. the balls that we're putting into the box are you know high and Late. heavy and often hit too too far. Kearney puts this ball um, on a plate for Jimenez, and he he ends up putting it in the back of the net. Who do you blame for this um, for this goal? I mean, there's, there's, I'll
0: tell you, there's just parts to it. Um, I think you're right with the overloading. Um, what annoyed me more, though, is how Saka receives the ball on his back, gets completely dominated uh, by Bassey. Um, and then instead of getting up and tracking back, which is what Martinelli does, and one of my favourite things about him, he's sitting there thinking, why have I not got foul? Uh, and in that moment, he could have been tracking back, Um putting pressure on the players you know what I mean but instead he's not so he so then down the left you've got William just running down the left he then puts the ball perfectly to Kenny. <coughs> sorry and that's because our back line are isolated we've got Ben whiteler gets pushed out Um, so he he practically becomes a one and one Um, we've got Saliba and Gabriel then get dragged across Kivior then has to come inside a little bit but then he ends up getting pushed off Jimenez because Jimenez just drifts behind and your takes his eyes off him and doesn't know where he is. And Kearney does what we haven't done all season, and that's putting an early cross. Just puts it in early, doesn't doesn't get the ball, have a look and that, and go, okay, who's open, who's not? And by that time, we've got 11 men behind the ball. He just goes, right, I'm in space, whips it across hard and fast, goes straight all the way across, got, defenders can't get to it. And Jimenez is just one-on-one and completely... <laughs> That's, he's on his own. There's, there's no one even going near him. It's on the one, smashes it straight in. Because there's no pressure from anyone to to put him under it. The, 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 he's just he has all the time in the world, lines up and shoots. That's probably Kivior. I mean, he takes his eye off him when he take when he turns around uh, and then separates him. But I think that it all starts from, like you said, overloading the attack, um, over committing to it as well when we haven't even got the ball yet. Saka then gets completely just dominated by Bassi when he was doing that to everyone. It wasn't just Saka; he was doing it to Nketiah. He was doing it to Martinelli. He was doing it to Jesus all game. Um, he was just winning all of his duels. And then yeah, instead of Saka coming, getting up and tracking back, he just sits there and hopes for a foul. That that's what annoyed me more than anything. Um, and then yeah, you can't take the credit off their delivery. I mean, it was just sharp. It was sharp and it was fast and it was early. That's the main thing. It was early, and it's something we haven't done in ages. That's the reason we got our goal in the first place because Martinelli really instinctively just cuts inside, shoots, and does it early, which allows them—they don't have as many players back as what well, what well, well we had enough players forward um, to to pick up the spill basically.
2: I've just got the goal That's up. Frustrating. Saka actually gets straight back on his feet and runs back, and is quite a bit oh, further on than. Um, it, ben White is really slow. And you're right, One really good point there about over-committing. Like White wins that interception and he charges. And um, Bassi is aggressive on Saka. It's fair aggression. It's one of those, I think, some of our players thought we should have the free kick. But White is so, so far ahead of play. And when we've, we've seen him struggle to keep up with the wingers. Not just this game, but we saw it at West Ham. We saw it at... Um, Who do we play before that? Liverpool, um, Brighton, and so on. And um, he is so far up the pitch, overcommitted to that attack. And then the ball's released so quickly down the line. It's one, two, three, bang, goal. And is just completely caught out. And because White's so far up the pitch, Saliba's straight over to cover his gap. Uh, Gabriel, the same. And then the gap between Gabriel and Kivior, he's just completely switched off there and... It feels like Kivior was on it. He cuts that cross out. But look, I, I just thought Kivior's performance was absolutely dreadful today, and, and that just kind of summed up everything about him. Positionally, he was. Bad. I think that's down to him being
0: rusty as well, though. I mean, like I said, he barely well, started. <laughs> He's barely started. And- I
1: don't. I don't, I don't- well, listen, I don't know if I if I buy this argument anymore. I think whilst watching this game and whilst watching um Jimenez and Willian, I came to the conclusion that when you're playing at that level, there isn't really any time for you to get rustiness out of your feet. You have to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if, if Jimenez can score and if William can put in a performance that he did, having two really good chances and almost scoring, then I have to expect Kivior to put in a performance as well. Here is your opportunity, kid. Prove it. And the same needs to go for other players like Ian Ketia, who I'm going to come to um, now. Uh, Just very quickly, though, just on the point that you guys were making about, um, you know, or the original point that I made, which is about overloading and overcommitting your fullbacks. I've got no problem with Arsenal deploying that kind of strategy if you are playing at that tempo throughout the course of the game. If there's a consistent um, kind of rhythm to the way that you're moving, to the pressure that you're uh, putting on the opposition, fine. But when the game is being played in a way where the back's very much against the ball and you're kind of defending for your lives—maybe not for your lives, but you know—you're certainly um, you're certainly chasing the game despite being one nil up. You need to be a little bit more, you know. Uh, a a bit uh, you you need to think about the game a little bit more um, intelligently you need to plan map things out a little bit better I don't know I mean I literally
0: Um, put like one of my notes I put especially after the goal it seemed like um, we were just panicking like we we were moving the ball quick but we were it seemed like we were rushing like we we just I don't know what we were never in control when moving the ball at pace we we never felt like We were we're working within a controllable pace. It was always too quick for us, or there was always a missed pass, or it was always the ball was too far in front or too far behind. It was, there was no, like, there there, there was no one there. This is where, like, I personally think Jorginho would have should have come on at some stage in that game and just to pace the game, just purely to pace it and be like, right, this is where we need because Rice was frantic. Kai Havertz there, there was a moment where um, after the goal I think it was on like the 38th I minute mean, I can't really remember it was around then um, and Martinelli was was free um, and ha- and Havertz uh, Martinelli just does, misses the ball to Havertz and he was uh, he was free to run and he just missed it and it was just it was just the pacing I don't know what it was we, we seemed like we were panicking it was like mate it's 1-1 it's 1-1 against Fulham you shouldn't be panicking here you should be yeah. in, in the ascendancy and dominating Ooh.
1: Could only mean one thing. We have reached, not, I don't think we've reached halfway, but I think we passed halfway point a while ago. Let's say three quarters of the way. Um, so we've reached a point where we can take a little breather, step back and just digest what we've spoken about. Um, I'm going to be taking you into the final bit of the episode of the show where we're going to talk about the remainder of the game and um, uh, particularly individual players and also the upcoming transfer window. So look, I want to start off by talking about Eddie Nketiah. He was given his shot to prove not just to himself, not just to his manager, but to every single Arsenal fan, why we don't need to buy a striker in the window. He's effectively playing for his Arsenal career, or he was at the time, because we're so heavily linked to, um, you know, buying a striker. It should uh fill him with fear, and it should fill him with all the motivation that he needs to go out and to you know work his socks off and put in the performance of his life. I, for one, was really disappointed with Eddie in the in that this afternoon. I for one expected Eddie to do basically what he did against um West Ham, come off the pitch, run riot, be here, there, everywhere, be a nuisance, and try and be clinical. Um there was an opportunity, maybe in the first half, at the end of the first half, or it might have been in the second half, where put through on goal, really tight angle, has a shot, just lashes at it, and I think every part of his of his game was just filled with too much cautiousness, too much safe options. There wasn't anything, and you know the 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 moves where he was trying to make to make. To, to, the moves where he was trying to make something happen just wasn't happening. The half turns weren't playing off because he had two defenders behind him. If you've got two defenders behind him, you shouldn't be trying to make a half turn. You should try and lay it off, then make the run and then hope that the whoever you play it to pings a ball over the top. Um, Adam, give me your assessments on Inketia, number one. And how bad is it for Arsenal right now in the strikers department?
2: Um, Look, I I thought it was one of those where it was probably the right choice to give Nketiah the nod going into the game because I I felt that Jesus in front of goal has just been so poor over the last couple of games. And that was Nketiah's uh, 11th start in the league this season, which he's never had that kind of run before. At the halfway mark, he started two in the Carabao Cup and one in the Champions League as well. So he started a lot of uh, games. He's only not come on in one game as well. So he's played a lot of minutes overall, far higher than what he usually has, especially at this stage of the season. But look, he was really, really poor today. I think the bit that frustrates me about Eddie is the strength thing, because he's a strong boy. And we see him coming on some weeks and or starting some games, and he can hold off defenders. He can really hold up the play, bring others into it. He can run in behind. And he can do all these things. It's just like, he's just so inconsistent that I never really know what to expect from him. I also find large periods of the game where he's completely missing and that he seems a yard behind. And this is what frustrates me because then other weeks I watch him and I think that's the performance you need. Hopefully that unlocks his confidence. We see that confidence coming into his play more. And then he goes out the next week and he's just back to his old self again. And, he's not even like some strikers that you see that are poor in front of goal. Like if you look at Mateta Palace, he just causes problems for defenders, even though he doesn't score much. And I I would take that from Eddie and Kerry if he caused that kind of like disruption in the final third, held it up, brought people in. But I I just don't know what you kind of get from Eddie. And that's the bit that frustrates me. And I think in the first half, he had about 17 or 18 touches of the ball. And it was one of those that you just look at and you think he hasn't really, like, he hasn't done anything with it. And that, for me, was the the biggest frustration. And it's not the first time. Yeah, 17 touches, he had five passes that he completed in the first half. Like That's just not good enough. He won four duels and um, he lost possession five times. But when you're thinking about a striker that's in the game that much, that is really, really disappointing. And I compare that to Martinelli. He had 32 touches of the ball, Saka 29, and um, like Odegaard's there with 40. So the players behind him are all touching the ball a lot. I want to see him showing more for it. I want to see him really attacking areas of the box if he's not in like the goal saka score. that's what i expect martinelli to be doing is that ball drops in the box get you get your head to that be in those positions and i think if he's aggressively taking up space in the box people will find him and right now i don't think he's a poacher and i don't think he's a build-up striker i think arteta's tried to change him into something that he's not and i think he will become a more rounded striker. But I think you've lost a lot of that real striker's intent there. And a bit like KVR, in that he just seems soft at times, I, I want to see more from these kinds of players, which is get your foot in harder. Don't let someone like Bassi really bully you. When, whenever he hits you once, go in the next time and let him know that you're there. And like, if you've got... like, For me, the biggest... Frustration wasn't in Keddie today. It was Arteta, because we we all said at half time that it wasn't working. We could all see that. I think every Arsenal mm. player could see it. That was the time, and one of the things I, I text you boys at half time and said, Bassi's aggression needs to be exploited here." He was coming deep every time. He was hitting in Kedia hard. He's doing it to Saka and so on. But with that, that leaves a big gap. Jesus, if he came on at half time when it was still one each. He would have dragged Bassi out. He would have really exploited that aggression. And if Bassi went sliding in on Jesus, he would have loved that contact. That, that, it's those kind of moments that you think, that's when you've got to make the change. And bringing off Kivir at halftime was probably the right call. But to be honest, I would have brought on Jorginho or Zinchenko because I just felt we lo- we lacked that bit of control in the middle of the park. And I think Monty made a great point like way, way back earlier in the pod. He said about Rice's passing. Rice completed 97 passes today, but how many of those were cannonballs? How many passes did he complete, but he put Mm -hmm. his receiver under a lot of pressure? And ultimately, I think Rice had an okay game. It wasn't a bad game. It wasn't a good game, but it was one of those where I looked at his passing and thought, just like calm it down a bit. There were other times with Rice that I thought he could have released the ball a lot earlier. And I, I think that was the same right across the park, but um, having that player alongside him, so if he had brought off Kivi or Frosinchenko or a uh, Jorginho at halftime, it would have just given us a bit more in the middle of the park. But I think Jesus should have also come on at halftime because it wasn't working with Porinkaria. And I think it's one of those when you're judging any player's career off the back of one game, it, it's very very difficult, especially when the team plays like they did today. That's not on our, our, our that's not on Eddie. That was on Arteta, and I think we praise him when he gets his subs right. Today, we have to say, look, he picked the wrong team, but it was one each at halftime. He could have changed things at halftime, and he didn't. He didn't react, and he should have been proactive in this game and said he was reactive, waited for them to go two one up, at which point they were very, very comfortable, and we looked like we just had no ideas. I think we need
1: to remember as well that Arsenal did have their fair share of chances. We generated 13 shots against Fulham's 15. So we were very much in the game to the very last minute. And there were a number of glaring opportunities um, that our very own Martinelli didn't take. Um, He, I want to have a just a very quick chat about him with you, Monty. Mm. At the end of the first half, there was a a rare chance um, that we created really good play. Um, Saka he cuts in with his right foot, plays a short pass into Declan Rice, plays it to Odegaard, who int- intelligently slots it into to Martinelli. His yeah. shot goes wise, wide off the post. Now, maybe this one um, a harsh, was a I difficult think, yeah. one, a bit harsh yet, yeah. but this, the one in the second half, and this is, I think this is, The crux of the problem that we face at Arsenal is not being clinical enough when it matters Mm -hmm. and when we when we have moments of luck. And I'm talking about the um, opportunity where it starts off with Iwobi running into the ref. So we've got a loose ball and it finds its way out wide to Martinelli. He takes a shot and it goes wide. We need to do better in those positions. We need to do better when we have opportunities like that, when it's not necessarily us creating those opportunities, but it's gifted to us. I don't know, maybe VAR would have taken it back and chalked the goal off, but that wasn't taken that was a glorious opportunity for him to take he didn't take it now he's improved his um, performance from um west ham but does he now really need to be dropped in order to i don't know find whatever he needs to find to be at his best because it's not good enough neither saka nor Martinelli are performing saka had another opportunity back post volley goes over well um, over needs to do better take, take, needs to do yeah. better um yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've been calling for
0: Martinelli to be dropped two, three weeks ago, and it's not because I don't like him. It's not because I don't think he's good enough. Um, on the contrary, I just think with with Martinelli, he's very much a player who who's reactionary to what's going on. When he gets he gets complacent, he needs something to drive himself. And if you take his starting position away, he you just get a better Gabby. You just get a better Gabby. When Trossard came in initially uh, and benched Gabby, Gabby then came back and was firing. Um, you just need that. That's the whole point of it. It's healthy competition, uh, and it feels like he's just getting getting free reigns. Doesn't matter what he does, he's still going to start, which is not what you want because that's when you get complacency. And that just, I know, it reminds me. But that's when you get like players like remember the old England squad, the old Eng- English generation. They were all bank. They were all great incredible players but for their country they were absolutely dross and they just never worked and, and you just let them play and then you don't get the best out of them. They need to have fear of being dropped to get the best out of them and Gabby very much so. Um, with the shot in the first half I think it was a bit unfortunate. It's, it's quite harsh because um, it was quite a close one and Erdegaard did well and it was just un- it was just unlucky. Um, with the other opportunities in the second half I mean Saka had the best chances by far and um, I was I was gobsmacked that he didn't score that volley. He, he like I said, it was like what I said earlier. We were rushing. We did. We felt like we were constantly rushing and never in control. And like there were moments where I mean, Saka had that chance uh, towards the end of the game when um, I think it was Kearney came in and did the game save and sort of tackle. Really, uh, he should have shot earlier there, and then on the volley, he should have taken a touch. It, it, it just felt like we were just rushing and not in control. Um, and also as well, I mean, with N- Ninketia, I think. Nkentia, it was it was just not necessarily a, a poor game. I think there were moments where he could have done better and got himself into the game, but there was no supply. Like the way that Nkentia plays, you you put the ball in early to him, and he will get those tricky balls. That's what he does. That that he's a poacher. He gets those tricky balls that come across that fizz across. Not once did we put in a, a ball across. Not once did we do an early fizz ball across the goal. Not once. We we we. Not a single time can I remember. It was all aerial. Nkete is not an aerial player. He can draw, get it down and he he, he works better at the 50 50 challenge at the second ball. He works better at getting the second ball than actively being the target man for the first. Um, we, we had no no zip, no early balls in. Uh, and, and I would have thought uh, Kaya would have been better at that because he, he's pretty good at that. He'd be outside the box and would just whip it in early. And we never had that. So we weren't able, to, I don't think we played to any of their strengths today um, at all. Um, and that's down to Arteta. I think Arteta needs to take the blame for that um, because in, you know we 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 come accustomed with Arteta when there's an issue during the game, he'll bring all the players over and he'll have a quick chat with them and he'll change the tactics. I didn't see that once. I didn't I didn't see him once bring the players in and go look. We need to change this. This isn't working. Um, and like, like I said, I would have brought in Jorginho, um for more calmness for, and then that would allowed Rice to go forward. Um, and then you'd you'd have had Erdegaard... Rice and so Erdogan could have stayed on that right side with Saka Havertz could have stayed on that left side with Martinelli and then you'd have Rice as sort of a little pivot in the middle just in front of Jorginho we never saw that I, I think he was right to go to that 3-5-2 um, but again we just didn't play we, we we just didn't play to any of the strengths of the players um, and it was frustrating so I need, I think there needs to be some changes um, Not nothing drastic I don't think we need to go out into the market and buy all sorts of players I just think some players need to be dropped one because they have been playing every single game in December. And there's been like six games, six or seven games we've had to play. And if you include sort of the time of and stuff, there's even more um, with like Saka looking tired. Ben White looks tired. Um, Tommy Asu came back. And I mean, when Tommy Asu did come back, he looked like right. he looked like he was just being a nuisance in the midfield, to be honest. Um, didn't really bring anything in. Um, and there were moments where, I was watching Ninketia, especially towards the end of the game when it went to 3-5-2 because th- what they were doing, they had Jesus uh, dropping down to add an extra man, a sort of a false nine. They had Ninketia running over the top. He made, I am not count- I counted about seven, eight runs that were splitting for the- and not one of them got passed. Not one of them. And it's just frustrating. Shit, sorry. <laughs> no, nah, that's all right. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating <laughs> because there were moments where those passes should have been laid. E- even if... They, like I don't mind if you do a, a long ball um, to split the defenders to go to a striker and you miss. I get that. But what it does is it keeps the defenders honest because it seemed like Fulham was so happy to press forward and run out of their lines and and, and leave gaps in behind because we weren't exploiting them. We weren't exploiting them. We, did, we didn't put a single ball in behind to exploit that. Whereas if we start doing that, they can't press forward because if they press forward, they know one might go over the top. And, that's, and that, that's where we lost the game. Because every time the midfielders got the ball, there, there was someone on them like that. But Whereas if you just do that long long ball, and then Ketya did it loads of times, and towards the end of the game, he was frustrated. And you could see him he was just shaking his head. He's like, why am I not getting the ball? And I was just, honestly, I was just as puzzled as he was. Even if you attempt it and you miss it, fine. But you've got to keep the defenders honest. You need to keep them pinned back. If they If they're happy to push forward, that's because you're not scaring them. You're not scaring them. And the fact that we're going to Craven Cottage and we're not scaring Fulham, that scares me. That, that it was just frustrating. Very frustrating. And that uh, okay. should have come from our town.
1: Right. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I for one kind of take the, not necessarily the opposite side of the argument, but I, I felt like near the end of the game, everyone was just unnecessarily spread out. And we made it really difficult for ourselves by not keeping things simple, by not uh, making the pitch smaller. There were just too many gaps and the gaps between players. And so what was happening was we were trying to get the ball from midfield into the into the box with one line breaking pass. And it wasn't happening because Fulham had, um, you know, they were positioned really well. They had every almost every man behind the ball, and they were defending every inch of um, grass, every blade of grass. So, um, Adam, talk me through the decisive goal which sealed our fate, it came from a set piece. Surprise, surprise. Another set piece goal conceded. Um, it was two set pieces, two corners in, inside two minutes. This one, absolutely comical.
2: Yeah, really, really, really poor defending. And it was one of those, it was at a stage of a game, I can't remember what happened right before it, but it just felt like they could score. And it was, it was just one of those where... There was nothing in it the way they won the free kick or the, the set piece, and we just didn't defend it. Just getting it up in front of me here. But, um, but yeah, it just Gabrielle doesn't deal with it. Um, ball comes in, and we had warnings. We had loads of warnings. We had a warning very, very early on. So, yeah, header in. I think it comes off rice. Then over to Gabrielle, he doesn't deal with it. Bubbles around, and... Uh, D. Cordova Reid just kind of pushes it into the net effortlessly, finds a lot of space. Nothing Raya could have done about that. Same with the first one today. There's not a lot he could have done about it. And you look at it and you think, how have we gone from being one of the best set pieces teams in the league to defending corners like this? Like you watched the Mavropana goal the other night and it was just so basic. And it's not the first time this season that we've had it. The goals against some of the goals against Luton that we we conceded, and look, it's time and time again we're seeing really, really basic errors from Arsenal at set pieces, and that one just felt like no one really taking responsibility, and you needed someone to just hoof that ball the length of the pitch and get it out of there. So, yeah. For me, I, just a really confusing one, and one of those you almost expect the offside flag to go up because it was just so bad. You're thinking, how can someone just have that amount of space? And it, it but it, it is one of those as well when you, luck's not quite going your way. That ball falls to a defender whenever things are on your side. Same at the other end of the pitch. If that was us and our luck was going gone for us, we we had one in the first half. It fell to Eddie and keria and he's kind of like inside the six-yard box, and he scuffs at it a bit. But it's a really difficult one. When luck's going your way, it falls on his right foot, and he puts that in the roof of the net. And it just felt like today it was one of those where no one deals with it. Everyone's scrapping around. And it was just ultimately poor defending and a lack of accountability. But we had a warning in the first half, too. I don't know if you guys remember. The corner came in, and the shot was very similar to Paulina at the Emirates where it was kind of dropped in around the penalty area someone came in they hit it in the volley and it went over the bar so we had those warnings we know that fulham are a side that can punish us from corners they did it at the emirates they did it again today and it just feels like defensively we're not learning from the mistakes we're making and the fact we've conceded 10 goals this month is absolutely disgraceful we at the international break we conceded 10 and then in the last month we've conceded another 10 goals. Which, if you want to be a title win inside, you can't keep giving teams these chances. And then, but at the same time, look, that goal was around the hour mark. There was loads of time left to come into that game. And when the goal went in, I don't know about you guys, but it, it felt like we had given up. We we were when we got the ball, we walked with it, we took extra touches. We had Rice cannonball in the uh, his passes, which again is something we haven't seen this season. We had per touches. Odegaard was one of the only ones that actually felt like he was looking up, trying to find a pass. He was moving for his teammates. Um, when Saka was running at his man, it looked like he had concrete feet. He he just couldn't beat his man. Robinson had the better of him in the second half, and it was just one of those performances where after that goal went in. Every everyone just seemed to go into a slump. And that's one of the first times I've seen that from this Arsenal team where usually 2-1, half an hour to go, someone runs, gets the ball. It's like, right, lads, let's go. Everyone pick yourselves up. And a bit like what Monty said mm-hmm. about Arteta gets the players in, has a, has a word with them, tells them to sort themselves out, whatever it is. And there was just none of that today. I didn't see any of our leaders grabbing each other and just saying, right, boys, this is what we need to do. And I, again, DeMonty's point about keeping defenders honest, those balls in behind weren't happening. I, I don't care if you don't make them. It's whenever you're not even attempting them. And that was what was frustrating me most today. It was us playing at walking pace. And then again, after the goal, it felt like we were so switched off at the back that everyone was like really, really poor. Like even again, we, we had early warning signs when the first half when Saliba chested the ball with no idea that there was a player behind him and could have given away a penalty. We saw Villa get a penalty like that yesterday, and it it's it was those kind of mistakes that were rife throughout our game, from minute from, from we scored the goal right through to the end of the match and after the goal, if anything, I felt like we could beat four one rather than getting an equaliser and scoring.
1: Look, and here's my problem with um, Odegaard, and God knows I, I love him um, more than I probably love the majority of Arsenal players. He is one player who has more who who, who has the initiative, the know how to change a game, um, you know, on its head, but something that Odegaard will always lack is a captain's aggression. At times, you need to pull your team together in a way where they will look up to you and something within that person will drive them to change their performance. Odegaard's not that individual. He's great at initiating press. He's great at encouraging. He's great at inspiring. But what he's he's not great at is looking players in the eye and telling them to... Fucking pull pull up their socks and really give it a go, um, and I think that's something that Declan Rice has in his locker. But unfortunately, he doesn't wear the captain's armband. And I tell you, where things really started to fall apart when Rice started to pass the ball to Fulham players from within our own box. That's when I knew, you know, this this is not our date. Um, so maybe a conversation needs to happen about how Odegaard is communicating with his teammates during those periods of the game on the pitch. Who knows? Why do we need to rely on Arteta to bring them together and to give them instructions? Why do we not have, um, you know, leaders on the pitch who will have honest conversations, who will shout, scream, point, get frustrated, almost, you know, I mean, who was the last Arsenal captain who did that and we all kind of got a bit annoyed at the way... I feel like, not captain, but I feel like um, we need a uh, Sanchez. A Sanchez, responsibility.
0: Yeah. Uli, a Sanchez type of
1: player. Someone who just moans and groans. But moans and groans at the right time, right? We don't want players mm-hmm. to moan and groan for no reason. Like, going 2-1 down, I wanted to see someone to just desperately be super pissed off. I wanted so, to see a player who was who was emulating, who was mirroring how I was feeling. I couldn't see anyone. Everyone was just too casual. Everyone was just too robotic.
0: I'll tell you who's really good at that. That's Thiago Silva at Chelsea. He's bloody brilliant. It? He's a professional. He moans and groans. He, he always wants better. And I agree, we don't have a player like that. We just don't have a player. We had like the bickering from the players internally today, um, but no one wanted to just sort of take the responsibility and lead uh, and, call, and call people out and start being like, right, you need to fix up. We've not had that in a while. I mean, I'll tell you
1: who does have that. I really, truly believe Aaron Ramsdale bought that last season. Hundred percent.
0: But he, he he's vocal. He he takes the responsibility. Cause Ray yeah. Raya doesn't do that. Red is not a vocal player. Yes, he follows Arteta down to the T and he can do a job. Um, but Ramsdale, he he would like he would on purpose he would almost take the pressure off the defenders. He'll be like, "No, nah, that's me. That's my fault. That's my fault. I have got it." But common guys, that like, fix up, fix up. And he'll be shouting at them like constantly throughout the game. He, you could hear him. Like I remember when, um, we had the season where um, there was no fans. You can you can hear them. Do you know what I mean? You can hear the shouts. You can hear the shouts. So, um, you need those. You need those sort of players. Hundred percent. I mean, we're we're missing it from rare. But I mean. Look, we could go back into the Raya Ramsdale debate, but it's just not worth doing it. Arteta's has clearly picked his man. Yeah. Um. And but we've have had a, a big dip in defensive, um, in the way that we have been defending recently, and we need to have more of a vocal, vocal person back. Because Saliba's been off it. No one's been calling out Saliba. Um. It feels like a lot of people, hey, players, have just got comfortable. A lot of them have just got comfortable. No one, no one's taken stick.
2: Yeah, I I do disagree about Odegaard though because I think he is actually very much a leader when things get tough. He is the player that really takes responsibility and that's something that a lot of our players... Well, it's hard to say a lot of our players don't do that because actually... He leads by example. Yeah, he leads by example and he is actually very vocal. When you you go to games and you see him, he is one of the most vocal characters on the pitch. He's always pointing, he's organising... He's also taken real responsibility by being the one that wants to get on the ball. And it's very easy to say, like, a captain that commands respect. But if you look at – there's plenty of captains out there that are just vocal and getting players' faces, but it doesn't mean they're good, they're good leaders or good players. and um, People respond to leaders that lead by example. And I think that's why Declan Rice is a great leader because – he's someone that really gets the kind of respect of his teammates through his performance, but and will also lead by kind of that real vocal performance on the pitch. But it's difficult to say we don't have players that take responsibility and grab games because actually we have more last minute winners than anyone. We have players that keep going to the end. And a lot of the time Odegaard's the player behind that. If you look at like Luton, it was his assist. It was him still going at the end. Um, And, He is a player, Southampton last season, Odegaard gets the goal and it's him really driving us forward. So for me, he is a really good leader. I would like to see one of our forward players in front of him, Asaka, Martinelli or Jesus, being that player that comes up with the goal because whilst I agree everyone's a bit complacent at the minute, I think Odegaard's actually been one of our best players. And if you look at his performance against West Ham, Mm -hmm. he created chance after chance, Today, he wasn't quite on it, but I Mm -hmm. thought he was one of our better players. And the most frustrating thing at times was people weren't getting the ball to him quick enough. And obviously, you take an extra four touches before you give it to Odegaard, Odegaard's got less space to work with. And football's a series of knock-on effects, and that is something, if you give your most creative player the ball after you take six touches, people have six steps to close down a player like Odegaard. And... Look, all in all, I felt he had a decent game, but everyone else was very, very poor today. And I think Saka really needs to step up. Aloy got the goal today. I thought he was okay in the first half, but I thought when we needed him, he could have done a lot more today. And he's someone that none of us like to criticize because he's the poster boy of end. But ultimately, I think it's one of those Saka, Martinelli, Jesus, they're the players that all really need to, to shape up at the minute. And again, Havertz, I thought he had a very good first half and then really poor in the second. So we're looking at a team today of a really, really shit team performance.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, maybe I've clouded my clouded those good moments from um, this season and previous season from Odegaard, Saka, Jesus... Um but the last two games just haven't been good enough and they've lacked leadership in moments where we've needed them. So, you know, it's gonna be really interesting to see how we perform against Liverpool in the FA Cup, what Arteta decides to do, who is eleven will be, and then we've we've got a game on the twentieth. Um who do we play? We Bear are in mind late-
0: Liverpool will be without Salah.
1: Yes. Okay. So we're at home to Liverpool and then we're at home to Palace. Um, I don't know whether there's anything else left to speak about regarding this game other than did you guys think that we were going to score before the full time whistle? I for one didn't. Maybe it's better for us to move our attention finally to the window and try and address what needs to be done. So Monty, I'll start off with you. What needs to be done and what will realistically happen? What, what business will Arsenal end up doing? I think we're going for a defender.
0: <clears throat> I think that's the more uh, realistic option um, just because although there is Ivan Toney and all that kind of stuff, I just think Arsenal are going to hold up for the summer to get the player that they want. They don't make reckless transfers. They seem to want happy to wait. Um, I think now we can get in a good defender to come in and fill in the cracks, especially at fullback with Timber coming back as well. So we should be well set up towards the summer. I think we're going for a defender, potentially explore for a midfielder. Um, But I think the midfield is a little bit harder to get because the players that we're going to be going for are crucial players for their teams uh, and they're sort of in the middle of their season. So it's quite hard to do, but I think realistically, we're probably getting a defender, and that's maybe it, and maybe sell sell a player to to accommodate it, but we'll see. Okay,
1: okay. Um, Adam, same question for you. What needs to be done, and realistically, what will Arsenal end up
2: doing? Well, I think Arteta's interview was on point, which is the main solutions are internal. Um, we've got the players. He's a good enough manager to turn this around, as I said. Six days ago, we were top of the league. So we, I'm not going to bank too much on players coming back because I think more will go after that. I, I really think that it'll be one player this window, and I agree with Monty. It'll probably be a defender. I think when you look at the selection today, it shows how little options we have at the back. Possibly a midfielder, and I agree. I, I don't think we'll go for a striker this window. The only thing is... I do wonder if Smith-Rowe and Ramsdale will be sold in the window, and that could generate funds to potentially bring in a better defender and a better midfielder than perhaps we would get if we don't sell those two. So realistically, I think they're the two that you can get a decent fee for. And the fact that Smith-Rowe hasn't come on today, again, uh, we we all want Smith Rowe to do well, but I, I just don't know if Arteta fully trusts him. I think actions speak louder than words, and at this minute, he's not getting on the pitch.
1: Okay, um, I'll quickly give my thoughts. I for one, as you all know, am very very um... <sighs> what's the word I'm looking for?
2: You want a big average striker.
1: I want a striker and I want a striker now. So hopefully this time tomorrow, Arsenal have signed a prolific striker, a prolific goal scorer who will end up giving us 25 goals. Um, But I I do think that we need to sign a a fullback. Now, realistically, Arsenal will uh, make, I think, one big signing. If, they, if they're able to, if they work really hard, one big signing, and I'm hoping that signing will be a striker. And for our fullbacks, um, I would really love to see Kieran Tierney be brought back. Now, I don't know whether that's uh, something that we're able to do, whether the agreement with Sociedad no. allows us to recall him. No?
2: No, there's no recall option. And also Tierney's nowhere near good oh, enough anymore. Technically, he's not good enough on the ball. And I think the fact Art had a lone Tierney out, knowing that Timber was going to be out for the season, tells you that he would rather have nobody than have Kieran Tierney now.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, look, we're having a premature conversation on the eve of the window, so let's give it a week or two. Let's let things simmer down, and let's just relax. Enjoy the New Year's Eve celebrations. And we can, you know, um, suffer and, um, what's the other word I'm looking for? I don't know. This is a good time for us to wrap up. Yeah. Yeah, so. Let's just hope uh, we uh, beat Liverpool, huh? Yeah, that's a big ask.
0: We Um, need it. We need it mentally We do need, we need it, it desperately
1: Guys do you think if, if Arsenal are out of the race For the FA Cup Just very finally Before we wrap up um, I don't I, th- I don't really want to do Good Bad Ugly uh, Let's take a vote Should we do good Bad Ugly today Because Nah it's all pretty bad it? No. Oh, I, think, I think we
2: wrap this up
1: <laughs> Okay let's wrap it up Right fine Just very finally do, do you think if Arsenal Are out of the title race They don't end up winning The Premier League Arteta needs to win Something In order to 100% um, just, you know, keep it ticking along and, and, and move it on to next season.
2: Yeah, 100%. I think it's it's win something or show real intent in the Champions League. And by real intent, I think it's you talking semi-final or final. And mm. like that level of, right, yeah, we haven't won the league, but look how, like, make a real statement in the Champions League for the first year back. So I, look, it's yeah. far too early to say where we are, you not get blown range. out in the like semi this... either. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be like close, like Real Madrid lose 2 1 on aggregate sort of thing. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fine.
2: But yeah, this time last okay, year, we thought we well, had won the league. So things change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you made a good point, Adam, when you said that we'd rather be in a position where we are now, where we don't have the pressure of needing to maintain that first spot. Um, and maybe, who knows, come March, April. Arsenal are there or thereabouts maybe we we push we give a really good account of ourselves in that last few games and something magical happens um we we'll just have to wait and see uh look it's that time of the show again where we must say goodbye I do want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point thank you very very much if you did enjoy this episode please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify let us know what you thought of the show by reaching out to us on Twitter you can find us over there at Arsenal Therapy. You can also find Adam over there at Adam Keys underscore, Monty over there at ATP Monty and myself over there at Gunner Since 96. As always, we will be back next week to give you your usual weekly dose of Arsenal Therapy. But if you can't wait until then, make sure to head over to the Arsenal Therapy YouTube channel for the 15 minute show and the previous show, which we're hoping will make a return. Um, So until then, take care. Have yourselves a lovely 2024. Make sure you get those New Year's resolutions cracking and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.